0: I'm back. The Ruler is back. Welcome to your latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast. I'm your host, the, the guy you all maybe kind of sort of know. Maybe you know from social media. Maybe you actually know me in real life. It is I, Jason Jones. He is I, and I am him. Uh, no Tilted Brim on right now, but here to talk some kings, talk with you, talk some hip-hop, and whatever else comes to mind in my time with you today what's good everybody out there hope you're having a good week uh some of us had a four-day work week with the uh, holiday on monday then there were people like me who actually worked on monday uh covered the kings uh playing the nets but i want to jump into what's kind of the the big news of the day or i don't think you know just kind of the topical thing with the kings which is the injury to chamezi metu who uh was heard on what? Well, quite frankly, it was a dirty play, a cheap shot. Uh, you know, low. Just a dirty play. You know, I'm trying. There's no other way to put it. You know, I don't know if you call you can call it low class, whatever you want to call it. By uh, Memphis center Jonas Uh You've all at this point have seen the replay of what happens. Uh, Kings are getting you no. Know, they're getting blown out. Game's over. You know, backups are in. Uh, gets uh, goes baseline Gets a dunk And he's on the rim And Valanchunas is under the rim And if from you know When you see it live and you see the replay From my point of view If you If Chemezi lets go of the rim at that point He literally lands right on top of Valanchunas So he's holding on to the rim And it looks like I don't know if Valanchunas was in his feelings Feeling this type of way Who's this guy who just got this, you know, got this dunk in. He grabs Chemezi by the leg and basically, you know, he yanks him off the rim. Chemezi lands, finds out a couple of days, a day later, day or two later, that he has a broken wrist. Out four to six weeks. It's fucked up. No other way to put it. And the Kings are mad on a couple of fronts. One, they were mad that in the game, all Valentino's got was a tech. No flagrant no no ejection, no flagrant two, just a tech. Secondly, they they do feel like that if you know, I wrote a column about this as well for the athletic, uh, theathletic.com, they do believe that for whatever reason, you know, not for whatever reason, they do believe that if Chemezi met to, I don't know, was Kevin Durant, LeBron James, step you know, Steph Curry, you pull one of those off the rim like that. There's no way it's only a technical foul. And, you know, I I imagine that maybe (laughs) Luke Walton, someone will get fined for pointing that out. I don't know, but it's hard to imagine everyone being so cool. What happened to Chamezzi? And on top of that, as Tyrese Halliburton brought up uh, Wednesday during the media session, you got a lot of people, you you know, journalists, maybe former players, people basically saying that, valentunas was justified in what he did because uh was trying to embarrass him and i i just didn't see it that way i don't see it that way and i don't care how you spin it i'm not going to see see it that way i just don't see that i didn't see i saw chamezhi trying to protect himself i didn't see him trying to embarrass valentunas because like i said if you look at the play. Valanchunas is already leaving. I don't think Chemezi was going to put his legs on Valanchunas to make him stay to get a better picture for a poster. Just wasn't going to happen. I just really believe, you know, and I think the video supports that Chemezi was trying to protect himself. And while trying to protect himself, he ended up being, you know, getting hurt anyway. And... It's just, like I said, it's just not right. I just think it's, I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's It's good. I think it's fair. You know, it's, it's, it just was a, like I said, a, a dirty play. And, you know, you see Yusuf Nurkic of the Portland Trail Blazers called out Valentunas for that. Uh, Luke Walton has repeatedly said it was a dirty play. And he said it again Wednesday. He said it's a dirty play. You know, it's not safe and... <clears throat> It is, you know, it's 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 unfortunate. Shemeth is a guy on a two-way deal who might have had a chance to play Thursday against Miami because the Kings are going to be without Rashawn Holmes for a second straight game with a sore right knee. Oh, by the way, a sore right knee because Valanciunas fell on him during the game. I'm not saying Valanciunas did that on purpose, but I'm like, gosh, this dude came through like Braun Strowman, just running, just, just knocking, eliminating people in the Royal Rumble or something, you know. Just taking Kings out and it's it's gonna to be tough on the Kings because Shemethi had had a chance to maybe help them this week and get, you know give them you know a little extra depth, a little front court help just to help, you know, kinda of helps, you know, stem the tide while Rashawn is out. So I didn't wanna, you know, spend the entire, you know, know, half hour or so or most of it talking about this, but like I said you can read my column. You know, you can see some of the tweets out there from Luke Walton and Tyrese Halliburton talking about how they feel this situation was handled and or in their in their eyes not handled by the league. And I completely agree with them on this. I completely understand and see why they feel the way they do, because again it was a dirty play. It was a cheap shot. And the fact that not only did Valentins do that, he later on, in that quarter goes on and gets a dunk, and then puts his legs on Corey Joseph on purpose, like in in a similar fashion, not to protect himself, but more so to to you know mock them, you know mock the Kings. It was unnecessary. Look, it was it was you know low class, and the you know people may criticize the Kings for not reacting in the moment or you know doing something to Valanciunas, you know but sometimes in these cases karma the basketball gods or whatever you want to call it they have a way of correcting these things and on top of that the kings you know do have two more games against the grizzlies you know their first two games last month in memphis were postponed you know due to the covid situation covid health protocols so you know i'm trying to think of the you know uh you know, uh, a good, you know, kind of, you know, way of kind of translating what could happen in that situation. Uh, it reminds me of this joke from Martin Lawrence told about how, about a kid who was acting up, talking about how the mom called the cops to get the son down. She said, Well, shoot his, basically said, Well, shoot his ass. Well, no, I don't kill him. I just want his ass to fall real hard. And I don't think the Kings are a group that's wired to go out and try to hurt someone. And Luke Walton said, we're not going to teach our guys to hurt people. But I do believe it would not be out of pocket, out of bounds, or shocking if, you know, someone from the Grizzlies fell really hard when they see the Kings again just because of what happened to Chemezi. So I'm going to leave that there and move on to the uh, matter at hand as far as Thursday's game against the Miami Heat. And touch on a topic I've touched on with you all multiple times already, I believe, just the lack of depth on this roster. Yeah, it's, you know, the team had its best success before this current four-game losing streak by essentially playing seven, eight guys every night. You know, maybe, you know, you get Glenn Robbins in some minutes here and there, but generally, you know, Luke was playing seven, to eight guys on a consistent basis. Now? Hmm. It's going to be tough to do that. You know why? Like as I mentioned, no Rashawn Holmes for a second straight game with a sore right knee. Harrison Barnes has a left foot strain. If you watch that Brooklyn game, it's just like Harrison didn't have it. And, you no, know, like during the game, Luke Walton said Harrison wasn't moving well. I guess during the game, Harrison told Luke he felt great. Harrison was injured, and he played through it. You know, who, who knows how long the foot's really been bothering him. We know it definitely was bothering him against Brooklyn. Cause he just didn't look like himself and he's out against the heat. So if you're the Kings, here's what you run into now. You're struggling defensively, which is kind of, you know, the recurring theme of the Kings for what, 15 years, but they're struggling defensively. And then you look, then you look around and say, you know what? We're now down our, our, two of our best front court defenders. You know you're down Harrison Barnes, who in many ways I believe is the most important king because they don't have another wing player who can give them the offense and the defense that Harrison can when he's at his best. So you got that situation, and you lose Rashawn for another game, which takes away a lot of your flexibility, your versatility on defense, changes your coverages. You know you could switch Rashawn out on smaller guys. I don't know if you, that you can do that now. You know, because you, you'll you assume that Marvin Bagley would start at center again, as he did against Brooklyn. And you bring Hassan Whites out off the bench. But, there's the issue with that is, um, you know, Marvin is not nearly as um, adept on the defensive end as Rashawn. And Hassan's strength is not switching out onto guards and, <laughs> and chasing guys around the way Rashawn can. So... You got you. Like I said, you got a real problem because this really exposes the lack of depth of this roster. I mean, it's like seriously exposes the lack of depth. You know why? Because you you can expect probably Glenn Robinson the third or Dequan Jeffries to start for Harrison, and you can expect that you know both of those guys to play a lot of minutes. But outside of that. The Kings literally have no guys with, like, small forward size left. None. I mean, you could maybe use Tyrese Halliburton as a wing in that situation, but they just don't have any size. And, you know, due to, you know, the the protocols of a guy leaving the um, G League bubble to fly back and so on and so forth. Luke Walton said it's like, you know, it's not realistic to... um, Bring Jamias Ramsey or more, you know, Robert Woodard back from the G League in Orlando and then have them have to quarantine and everything to, uh, you know, to try to add some depth because essentially they'd be leaving a, a situation where they're actually able to play some minutes and get better in Orlando with the idea of just being on the bench for the King. So that's not going to be an option. So you're looking at really. Maybe Luke has to go kind of uh, mad scientist for a couple of games. A lot of four, you know, three, four guard lineups. You know, trying to cover up for the fact you don't have the depth. You know, DaQuan is a guy they like defensively, but DaQuan hasn't only been back on in you know with the team for about a week playing. You know, you're, you know it's going to be asking a lot of a guy who's missed all season to in his what third fourth game back play thirty minutes and to give you what Harrison was giving you, and we all agree. Harrison might have been having the best season of his career. So for the Kings, they just need Harrison to get healthy. You could hear it in Luke's voice. Like, they need Harrison. So Harrison will miss, you know, the Miami game, which means someone else gets to defend Jimmy Butler. And no Rashawn means, you know, maybe Marvin Bagley, who actually played, who played well against the Heat in Miami last month. You know, but maybe him and uh, you know, Hassan Whiteside. Maybe Nemanja Bielitsa. Shoot, maybe Jabari Parker. I don't know. You're going to see some different lineups out there that we probably have not seen together just to get by. But again, to me, this points to a bigger issue. It's a complete lack of depth. The way Luke had been coaching the team, uh, it was the best you know, chance to give them, you know, gave the team the best chance to win. But, you know, guys are going to wear down. This is a weird, different type of season with the schedule and you know guys are going to break down at various points of the season just because of how it goes and depth matters right now especially when you don't have a superstar you know De'Aaron's ascending but he's not you know uh Dame Lillard right now or a Steph Curry or you know as a guard or you know he's not even like a Kyrie he's not a Kyrie Irving or a James Harden who's carried teams before he's still kind of growing into that phase and you can't ask Tyrese Halliburton to do that. He's a rookie. You know, Buddy Hill is having, I think, on, he was, he's on his way to, you know, if he, if it stays like this, probably going to be the worst shooting season of his career. You know, so you don't have a lot of places you can go right now to get that boost. And it's going to be tough. I mean, that's you know, I'm saying all this now, but knowing this team, they're so hit or miss left and right, so confusing. They'll mess around and they'll beat Miami by like 15, you know. Miami went to OT Wednesday night with the Warriors. They just blew a 15-point lead against the Warriors in the fourth quarter. So maybe Kings get lucky and they catch Miami slipping, you know. Maybe they they see Miami in those, as I call them, the gender-revealed jerseys and they're inspired to not lose to a team wearing such an ugly jersey. Who knows? But the fact remains, this team needs uh, depth. This team is not deep, not nearly deep enough if they're talking about ending a playoff streak, which puts the attention back on general manager Monty McNair. This team has shown, I think, enough promise to where if they're hanging around, I think you have to go out there and get Luke Walton and the coaching staff some help. If you don't, what you're telling uh, your coaching staff, your players, and their fans is that you're content with not making the playoffs and playing the maybe we get one more piece in the lottery game. I know it's only Monty's first year. He may be fine with that. A lot of people in Sacramento aren't fine with that. Especially, like I said, given that in this kind of crazy season where anything can happen. I mean, a week or two ago, people had the Dallas Mavericks buried. Now they are like, I believe, 10th in the West and they'd be in the playing scenario now. So a lot can change in a week or two. And I think. In order for this Kings team to be legitimately competitive and have a chance to make the playoffs, they got to make a deal. They got to do something. And from what I've heard from, you know, around the league, they there there is a lot of interest in uh, Nemanja Bielitza. The Kings haven't shown they're necessarily in a rush to move, you know, to move uh, uh, Belly, which would be... Uh, I don't understand why you would, considering that you're not playing him and really playing anybody who plays power forward could potentially affect Marvin Bagley's minutes, which you don't want to do. You know, unless you're holding on the belly, thinking that maybe just in case Marvin gets hurt, you've got another, you know, uh, a true stretch big who can handle the ball and help you out. But I think you got to look at trying to add some depth on the wing somehow, just because... Your good teams, your competitive teams have multiple guys in that 6'4", 6'5", 6 6'8", range who can switch defensively, guard multiple positions. And the Kings are still pretty, you know, they don't have that. You know, De'Aaron with his length is more switchable. Same with Tyrese, but Buddy is still not a, you know, a big, you know, guy out there defensively. And teams still target him defensively late in games or early in games. If you watch that Brooklyn game, I think. You know, it was like, hey, barbecue, you know, barbecue chicken, you know, right over here. Whenever they had Buddy on them, so and it's not that Buddy's not trying, but in that group, Buddy is the weak link, and teams are gonna go after him, especially that closing group where you don't, you also don't have Marvin to put in pick and rolls. So you got to get some more depth. I don't know how you find it. I don't know if it was on the free agent market, but it would. You, if you're the Kings, you've got to look to do something because. What's happening right now just ain't going to work. It ain't going to be it. It's not going to hit. It's going to be a problem. And I think we all can see that. Which brings me to... Uh, just, uh, yeah, like I said, I was going to say a brief me to another point, but there really ain't no more points beyond that. The Kings need help. They need more players. And the coaching staff knows they need the help. The front office has to recognize it because... They didn't really add much to this team <laughs> in the off season I mean you know I guess the big pickup would have been drafting Tyrese, but outside of that, you know your vet additions are Hassan Whiteside who's you know a reserve you know we can't put up numbers, but you know it's still you know this is not putting you know this is not putting in a guy who's gonna alter your franchise drastically. And Glenn Robinson III, a guy who is, you know, on the fringe of being in the rotation most nights. And he'll play more now, but you didn't, you didn't add difference makers. You know, Watching the, I watched the Warriors play Wednesday night when they beat Miami. I mean, how much better off would this team be if they had kept Kent Bazemore? Yo. Yeah. That's the type of guy. They need, they need a couple of guys like that, you know, and... No, Bays leaves, I believe, you know, for a pretty relatively small contract to go back to Golden State. I thought that would have been a great guy for the Kings to keep, you know. The Kings could use a guy like a Garrett Temple. They could use some, you know, veteran wing defenders who can also make some threes. These are the type of guys the Kings need and the type of guys the Kings haven't kept in the last few years, you know. So, what does that mean? means this might be a long-ass season. (laughs) Just because if they don't address this lack of depth, I mean, I could easily see guys like Harrison needing breaks or breaking down later, or, you know, know, De'Aaron's been healthy for the most part. You know, he missed a a game with a sore knee. He banged knees in practice last week. He missed a game, but he hasn't had a long stretch. But, you you know, if this knee thing bothers Rashawn longer than a couple of games, what do you do? You know, what if Harrison has to miss a couple of weeks? You know, if they, you know, it's just this stretch here leading into the midpoint of the season is going to tell a lot of us what we need to know about the front office and what their plan is for this team. You know, as you get past that midway point to that trade deadline, if they don't do anything, I hope y'all like the lottery because there's a good chance that's where the Kings will be if they don't get this team more help. Okay. Kings rant over, over done, you know, you know, hit me on the socials, uh, Twitter, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. That's M-R underscore J-A-S-O-N-J-O-N-E-S. Or, you know, if I post one of my stories on Instagram as a post or actually in my stories, uh, at Mr. Jones LBC, feel free to reply and comment there too. Let me know what you think, you know, holler at me, let me know what's going on. Do you think I'm crazy, right, wrong, or indifferent? Uh, let's do it. So, it is what it is. Now, back to my favorite part of the evening, or cause I'm recording this in the evening, <laughs> just for a little clarity, you know. It, it's time to talk a little music, and again, I've I've been pretty nostalgic this week. I've been listening to a lot of old Jay Z, and that's not what I'm going to talk about necessarily. Well. I talked about Jay last week because of the you know the song he has with Nipsey Hussle. But I'm going on the uh, Judas and the Black Messiah uh, soundtrack. But I'm actually going to talk more about Nip today. And it's been almost three, uh, was it oh, two years now? Yeah. Two years since he was tragically murdered, you know, in front of his store in South Central Los Angeles. Uh, near where I grew up or where I spent my early years in life, you know. I grew up not that, you know, not that far from there and went to uh, 52nd Street Elementary School. So, that whole region, you know, I love LA, it's all of Southern California, but that part, you know, that part has a special place in my heart because it's where I started, you know. So, you know, it's, it's you know, going to the liquor store off of Vernon, you know, back in the day, it's where I get my breakfast from. Not advisable for parents, you know, but my dad was my dad and I would get, you know, Twinkies and Soda for breakfast in kindergarten and first grade. Sure, my mom didn't like that, but hey, that's what it was. But I want to talk about Nipsey because you'll be hearing this on, what, February 18th? But February 16th, 2018 is when uh, Victory Lap, his uh, studio, his last studio album debuted. I remember that weekend well because that was All Star Weekend in Los Angeles, and I remember being on the treadmill. I believe it was, we were staying at the Hilton in downtown LA and seeing the Nipsey Hussle billboard, and then playing Victory Lap while figuratively running laps on a treadmill. And it was the album of the year. I thought I thought it was excellent, and I wanted to kind of what I do on this show, do, you know, take a you know walk you through some of the tracks, you know some of my favorites, some of what I thought were standouts and, you know, it's, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a hell of an album and I could, you know, literally talk on each song, you know, for a few minutes, but I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to keep you all, you know, for an hour talking about, you know, but, uh, let's, let go ahead and jump right into it. Like I said, to me, this is one of the, you know, a, uh, no, before he passed this was a classic west coast album and i think that i think I think his unfortunate passing cemented that because it was going to be the last album we got from it you know, you know you know while he was with us you know of course obviously there's things that come out that he recorded before he passed but this this is the no the, no kind of like the uh the only thing we're going to have his last album so it's definitely a west coast classic you know down to the victory lap logo which is reminiscent of the old uh, 84 olympics logo yeah so it's a, like I said, it's it's a great one and you know it starts off no you know, I've, you know the, the title track victory lap and it was just fitting that it was called victory lap cuz i was talking you know on my other my other show Jace vibes and but uh, Kenny Caraway and the how this is like his studio debut but Nip has been around for a while, so it was just like it was a victory lap because just getting to this point, he had already won. So he'd already won by you know, for by what he had established in the mixtape world, what he had already done, you know, people knew that what the marathon continues was. He had already won, so this was just, you know, hey, I've already won. Let me just drop this off with y'all. So love that song, you know, and then. Uh, pure warning, I'm gonna go into the part of the podcast where I can use language that I'm allowed to And some of y'all can't, so don't get yourself beat up out there trying to repeat what I'm saying Uh, okay, so, you know, and, you know, track number two, Rap Niggas I mean, that was like, you know, just him coming out and just letting everyone know basically hey yeah I'm I'm not like these other dudes I'm not one of these dudes these studio dudes you know I, this is you know I'm different and you know and it's just you know it was like I said he just came out and let you know you know he wouldn't like these other rappers out there and you know he had a different vision a different view of the things that he was going to do and I just you know as this album you know goes on it It, it comes across, you know, you know, and then you jump to last time that I checked with YG, you know, no, no smut on his rep, you know, and that's a big thing, you know, you know, coming from that street life, not me personally, coming from the street life. I don't want no one trying to jump up here and saying, hey, we never saw you out there putting in work because you're damn right. You didn't see me doing that. I was trying to go to college and, you know, be a proud square. But, (laughs) you know. Just, you know, just the idea that, you know, this album, you know, you're dropping the studio album and you can't say anything bad about the man. He's doing his thing, you know, you know, he has arrived, you know, and it's like like he's saying, hey, I go out there and check my, you know, I name, I name check, make sure. See, am I still good in these streets? I still am. And, you know, the fact that his store was right where it was on Crenshaw and Slauson, you know, he was like, I'm still good in these streets. So love that song. Then, like I said, another disclaimer, you know, this actually might be my favorite song on the album, Young Nigga with Puffy. And just because it just really speaks to this, you know, to me, it's like, it's, it's like the most it might be the most inspirational song on here just because it's, it's just speaking to, you know, his his uh, struggle his come up his. And it was, its relatable. Like I can listen to this song when I'm working out, if I'm trying to get myself motivated. You know, you know what can make you want to go and get it. You know, just that—that—that that, that grind mindset, that focus, that hustle. I can—I can get with that. So I love that song. I mean, I think if you go on my little, whether Apple, Spotify, title playlist, that song is going—it's—it's it's in heavy rotation when it does my little year in review. That song is always near the top just because it's one of those songs that gets you through. You know, whether it be that last mile you run running, that last rep on the bench, whatever it is, that song gets you through. And then we jump to the next track, Dedication, with Kendrick Lamar. I mean, that song is on some next level thinking. That's on some, you know, empowerment, you know, economic empowerment, building up your community, all that stuff. And if you, if you don't just sit back and really, you know, you know, peep the lyrics, you know, when Kendrick said, you know, you know, he heard that, you know, Nip was a better he's like, you know, but I'm a man, you know, but he's a man first, you know, just kind of breaking it down till we got to get beyond that other stuff and, you know, get to the essence of why we need to work together, you know, so I love dedication. Then, you know, blue laces too you know. Just the whole storytelling of that song, you know, you know, man's get shots trying to keep like, trying to keep them calm and collected, and you joking talking about now. I guess I'll finally be respected because these man's been shot. You know, just the storytelling on there was just. I mean, it was it was intricate, it was elaborate. I loved it, love that song to this day. I could really just keep doing this all day with this album because I think it's so good. I just you know. You know, but I I don't want to keep y'all all, all night, so I'm trying to trying to skip to you know kind of what maybe, uh that uh, really jumps out. Let's go to a million while you're young with the dream. You know, another song that's talking. You, you know, people think of a guy like Nip. You know, former gang member. You know, it's about it's going to be kind of a you know street la- street you know street rap street life, but. That's another song that's speaking to taking your life, taking what you, you know, what you're given, you know, and not just staying where you are and dreaming big, you know, how can I, you know, just uh you know, do more than what I have. And I just like I said that song is one of the other I call it, you know, one of the inspirational ones. You know, and then we're I, I think I want to wrap up with one of them. Uh uh let me see where i want to wrap up with uh i don't know i could i could do the a real big song with Marsha ambrosius you know you know or i could do double up you know with him belly and dom kennedy right hand the god is the last song on there and you know i believe it sums up the album beautifully and again you know this is uh like i said it's one of the it's a classic west coast album and by now y'all know me i love the west coast i'm a west coast hip-hop junkie and this is one of the best out there and i i i encourage you i advise you you know as we celebrate the uh three-year anniversary of this album next month it'll be the uh, two-year anniversary of nip's passing i would encourage you Just you no know, uh dive into victory lap a few more times dive into the mixtapes you know you know all the stuff that he that he put out over the you know over the years and then you know just putting out music and just watch the growth in the music over the time and treat yourself to that some good stuff so you know shout out to you know I said the marathon you know the marathon clothing store uh was rocking my one of my marathon shirts last night with the Kaminsky brothers uh On with them, you know, the marathon does continue, uh, shout out to his family, you know, uh, Lauren London, Everyone still mourning, grieving, still holding on, you know, holding on to the memory, going on strong, so, that's all I got for y'all this week, uh, or should I say this episode again, you know, tag me in your hip-hop talk, in your King's talk, at mr underscore jason jones at mr jones lbc i want to talk to y'all i want to hear from y'all i want to engage with the fans you know all that fun stuff and again i am jason jones i am the ruler of this here court this virtual court the ruler of the court podcast brought to you by the basketball podcast network shout out to them again can't wait to hear from you all thank you for your support and i'm gone